Good morning. Welcome to another bonus podcast. Um, we are here recording a podcast for you and excited to be here. My name is Crystal Taves. I'm the pastor of women at Northview Community Church, and I am here with Thalia. Hello. And Erin. Hi there. We thought we would quickly do an introduction of ourselves since it's been a while since the three mm-hmm. of us have been together. Um, I had fun just introducing myself to our new women at the Wednesday morning study yesterday. So quickly, just to let you know where I'm at. Um, I've been working here since 2011. So five, six years, I guess, in this role. Actually, before that, um, I was working under the previous women's pastor and have just learned the ropes under her for a couple of years. My oldest son, Clayton, got married this last summer. Yeah. And so fun to see them setting up their house at UBC. They live mm-hmm. right beside the pool, right on campus, wow. like within two minute walking distance to all their classes. So, so perfect. Awesome. Cool. I know. So fun. They love being in Vancouver. They got I'd, married in your parents' backyard. Yeah, it was so, so beautiful. The sun came out just as Taylor walked down the aisle. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was one of those days where we weren't sure if it was actually going <laughs> to, weather was going to hold, but the afternoon was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter Jessica is uh, grade, uh, sec, sec, uh, sorry, second year at Columbia Bible College, and she's a resident leader there playing volleyball, very busy at the start of the year, yeah. just kind of slowly getting into routine. And my oldest, Trevor, just actually... Your youngest. Sh- sorry, my youngest. Yeah, just switched to MEI. He's been at Yale and Fraser and all my other kids graduated wow. from Yale. And he decided after one week of school yeah. that he wanted to be at MEI this year. Oh. So it was a quick switcheroo and they bent over backwards to get us in there. Oh. There was room, which he was grateful for, but... And yeah. the first day he was actually on campus was their grad retreat. I know. They bent over, like I said, to get him in there so that yeah. he could go on that grad retreat legally was a bit of a lot of hoops to jump through. So. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just getting used to a new school. So it's fun. Wow. Yeah. And Thalia, your family. Yes. So I have attended here with my husband, Mark, for over 20 years. I think 1996, we came here to Abbotsford because it was cheaper to buy a house. And I've been on staff since 2012, the winter of 2012. So that has been quite an amazing journey. My training is in counseling, so I work with women, couples, and families. But my title is Pastor of Care. And I often tell people the official title is Pastor of Care, but really it should be Pastor of Muck, because that's what I say a lot and work a lot with. In terms of my family, my husband Mark is an accountant here in Abbotsford. And we have two kids. Ava is in her second year at Trinity Western University, settling into dorms again, loving second year and just in terms of knowing where her classes are, knowing her friends. She's in the new building there called the Skidmore Building and just oh. loving being in a new situation. And the first week oh. of school, she had to live at Camp Timberline <laughs> yeah. and go by bus. The building the wasn't dorm ready. wasn't ready. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. And she said it was amazing because they could all bond together and get to know each other mm. and have this unifying cool. experience. And then after a few days, she was tired of Timberline and yeah. so ready to be in the new building. Be in her own little home. Home. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. And Carter, our youngest, he's a year younger than Ava, and he has been a week in Germany at Cape and Ray Bible School so there, Bodenseehof. Yeah, so that is exciting. He said Cape and Ray is awesome, mm-hmm. and he's having a little trouble, feeling a little overwhelmed sometimes because there are so many people to get to know. But that's normal. So it's a really big group, big class, hundred and thirty. Oh, that's big. Yeah, and he loves people, and so I can just imagine him just trying to get to know everybody. everybody. I'm yeah. like, I kept reminding him, it's only been a week. It's it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> You'll learn the names as yeah. the year goes by. Yeah, it's really okay. Yeah, but it's nice in a group of 130, better chances of 
finding friends. And yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. you go to Bible schools and it's like 14 people. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, I have to do, like these 14 people. But yeah. there might not be somebody who you really click with. Totally. And there are some local kids, not that he knows well, but that are there that he knows a little bit. So I encouraged him to get connected with them mm-hmm. a little bit. So that hopefully when they come back, maybe they can go to young adults together or something. Just a mom's yeah. dream, you right? Mean people yeah. from Abbotsford that are there. Yeah, 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 Surrey, Abbotsford, Chilliwack. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I have three children. Our eldest is at Mowat in grade 10. Ooh. And yeah, and loves it there. Uh, it's been a good school for him. Yeah, um, and uh, we And his big thing is uh, kind of online drafting. Mm. Oh, Interesting. And they have that as one of the electives there, nice. and it has made a huge difference because that's his niche. Yeah, okay. we, we have did, a we course didn't know that, you that like. for sure, but yeah. now we see that that's his niche, and it's just brought a lot of joy and good for him. Yeah. And then we have a daughter at Chief Dan, who's in grade eight, and so that's the end of middle school this year. Grade yeah. eight is the top year. Should be a good fun year. And then we have a little person who's in grade two. Nice. And had a really hard year last year. Oh. And it looks like things are. Settling into a good place for this year. So it's quite a bit of relief for me as a mama because I was very concerned that this year needs to be successful or else this little gal's not going to manage very well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard when they have a hard year. Like, yeah. 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 My daughter had a few of those too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we are our mother's hearts, right? We yeah. feel for them almost more than they do sometimes, I think, I think in so. the situation. Because we know we can't control so many things I about know. it, and we want to. Yeah, I was in there like a dirty shirt trying to help that situation, and I'm glad I don't have to now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you can hang out with us. Do right. podcasts. There you go. Yeah. And I've attended Northview for, I was just doing calculation, I think just over 30 years. Wow. Yeah, you guys mm-hmm. beat me. Yep. For sure. Our prize winners. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> So, in addition to doing podcasts, this is not all we do in our lives. We have had a great study week starting up. Um, we started, kicked off the year last Saturday with kind of a leadership breakfast for all the people who uh, are leaders in our community groups, which means people who are table leaders at our Bible studies, people who lead our precept groups, people who lead our sermon-based discussion groups in their homes. And we had just a buzz in the mm-hmm. room and great teaching hmm. on content and care and connection in each of our groups. And so that was a great way to kick off the year and get everybody ready to go. Yep. And then everything started this year. This week. This week, I mean, Mm -hmm. sorry. Yeah. So we've had Monday night, we had studies in Mission in Abbotsford. Uh, Wednesday morning, we had women's studies here in the morning and men's Mm -hmm. study at night, which is brand new. We'll talk about it in a second. And the sermon discussion groups have all started up. Yep. And Thursday morning theology, Mm -hmm. which is an early morning class, started this morning. And And as we speak, the precept women Thursday morning are meeting upstairs. Yeah. And then tomorrow we have our first Bible overview class. So yeah. it's a busy schedule Hundreds around here. Hundreds of people in their Bibles this week yeah. back in study. Yeah. That's good. So Felt great. Good. And the, the biggest new addition is the men's Bible study group, yeah. which they're doing parallel studies to our women's study. We're studying the book of 1 Corinthians together. And uh, I think Greg was expecting about 60 and 120 guys showed up last All night. All to so. Westcourt jammed in there. That's awesome. 16 leaders each had a table. They were the tables to- were full. Yeah. The only thing he felt a little bad about is some people who have hearing issues. Like they said, yeah. he said it was loud in there, but oh. he loved the buzz. He didn't mm-hmm. want to move because it's just fun to feel that energy of, and I know how that is on yeah. Wednesday morning yesterday when we had the room just full. There's yes. just such energy that comes from feeling the excitement of everybody who wants to be there. Yeah. 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 It's a great experience. So 
So if you haven't joined up, if you're listening and you still think, oh, I want to join in on one of these things, there is Mm -hmm. space. Yeah. It's always space. Greg was figuring out ways to add extra Mm -hmm. tables and we can always do that on Wednesday morning Mm -hmm. too. And And both the women and men are studying 1 Corinthians. Mm -hmm. If you're doing a church-based Bible study, you can also do precepts, men and women. And what are the women doing, Crystal? For precepts? Yeah. They're doing, um, it's called the Kings and Prophets book one. So they have a Kings and Prophets series. Mm. So this is the uh, king, the reign of Solomon and a few of his immediate successors after that. Um, and then the men precepts are doing the book of Luke. So if you want to know, about, know more about that, where should the email? Just women at northview.org. It's okay. easy. Yeah. And we will send you to the right people. Okay. So yeah, it's great to see the energy going around here. Mm-hmm. It's a new season. Yeah. So since we are all promoting Bible study, we thought we'd talk a little bit about the Bible. But specifically today, this morning, we wanted to talk about, is the Bible a self-help book? That's Mm -hmm. the topic we're going to look through because sometimes people view it that way. And uh, we'll talk about, is that Mm -hmm. an accurate way to view the Bible? Is that how uh, God would want us to think about it? Um, Before that, though, we thought we'd talk about um, kind of that self-help realm of things in terms of Thalia being a counselor, and you're having people come wanting help. Yeah. Um, So I thought we'd talk a little bit about why this is such a busy season for you Mm -hmm. and what a typical session looks like when people come visit you. So why is is, like September slamming your inbox and your phone (laughs) messages? (laughs) Well, we know that people want to be helped. Yeah. Right. They want less stress, less angst, less tension. They want more balance, more joy. They want less muck, all those kinds of things. So we know, and they tend to kind of put it off in the summer because the weather is better and you have all kinds of good things planned in the summer. So literally they'll say, well, I'll just put it aside in the summer. And then about mid-August, my emails and texts and phone calls start piling up and they're booking appointments for September when kids go back to school and everybody's Mm. back in their workplace. And they're like, okay, now I want to deal with this now. Yeah. And that's when a lot of this stuff actually becomes evident too. Like I know even talking to my kids who are in, in university, it's like they hit September and they're yeah. just slammed and they realize, oh, I actually need to figure out how to have balance in this life, how to yeah. make it through. Because I know I'm going to have anxiety and angst as I go through my exam schedule and look yeah. at the syllabuses and mm-hmm. look at all these different things. So yeah. it's a natural time of life for people to feel that stress. Absolutely. And the stress brings out whatever your idiosyncrasy is, yeah. Yeah. whether you're prone to depression or anxiety or yeah. any of those things that just like, wow. And yeah. the weather doesn't always help. You know, it starts to get rainier and colder and that magnifies the difficulties we face. We're, we're kind of can having be... jet lag right now. <laughs> That's lag. what we're calling it. We can't go to sleep at night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so and that's as the winter do. goes on, it gets dark and dreary, mm-hmm, yeah. and that makes you, it affects your emotions. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So what does a session look like when people come to see you? How much time do you give them? What do you do during that session? Yeah. So a lot of people contact me by email. That's the best way because I can even respond while I'm making dinner at home because I try to touch base a lot. We try to care quickly because people have all this muck and difficulty and they want a response. So then I try to connect by email as to what works. And there's three of us. There's myself, Paul and Vic. I work Mm -hmm. with women, couples and families. Paul and Vic work with men, couples and families. And Vic focuses more on people who are seniors, you know, in the care homes, hospitals, things like that. So typical session is once they come in and meet with me, I often don't know them. Uh, I've maybe seen their face around church, but I don't know them. We have a large church. And so I want to find out, first of all, well, just who are you? So just give me an idea of, you know, how long have you been at Northview? How are you involved? Are you single, married, kids, no kids? Are you a student? Like, just kind of give me a little snapshot of your life. And then they'll get into like, why did they come? And they'll Mm -hmm. outline the muck. 
And that usually takes like maybe half an hour where I listen to them and I hardly say anything. I'm just ask clarifying questions. Like, Sometimes tell me you a little write more. things on whiteboards. Yeah, I do. <laughs> whiteboards good. Okay, let's list this all out. Because yeah. they start telling me all these things and it you know starts to get jumbled in my head. So I have a whiteboard there and I usually put a circle in the middle with muck. And then we outline what's going on. Is it a financial issue, jobs, marriage, kids? What's going on? Health. And we put it all around so I can see it and they can see it. And it helps us to actually visualize mm-hmm. what is going on. And that can take, you know, half an hour. And then we start to kind of go, okay, so which piece should we address today? Sometimes we need to meet more than once. So what piece should we work on today? And very often then it's about, well, how does God want us to work on this particular issue? What's honoring to him? Because people are very uh, quick to know what the culture says they should do about Mm -hmm. a particular issue. So if they're struggling in their marriage, they know exactly what their friends, their coworkers, neighbors, TV says they should do about their marriage issue. Mm -hmm. But Christians who come to me, they are confused about, well, what does God want me to do in this situation? So then quite often we'll open up the scriptures and we'll read certain passage and kind of understand that together. And then we come up with a plan. Like, do you need to get involved in a community group at our church? Will that help you to grow around a table with other wise Christians that can help Mm -hmm. you out? What about a program? We have divorce care, divorce care for kids, grief share. What about meeting with an outside counselor? We can possibly help with the money side of that. And so there's all kinds of supports and helps that we can walk alongside people with. Because we don't want to just say, goodbye, see you later, that's it. (laughs) You know, after I've listened to all that muck, you want to actually help them to have some kind of strategy so they kind of feel that, okay, I can do this with the help of the church. I don't have to be alone in this anymore. And always we pray. Uh, At least nobody yet has refused me. (laughs) Yeah. So why do you read the Bible and pray every time with people? Well... For us, the three of us, we believe that the Bible is God's very word. Like it, it is exactly how God wants us to live our life. He has a design for how we want to live our life. And it has authority for how we live our life. And it is sufficient. We can find everything we need in the Bible for everyday challenges. So most people who come to meet with me don't know their Bibles. They don't know what the Bible says about the particular muck. They're very confused. They have no idea where to go. And so then I need to be a little bit of that guide of where can we go for that particular issue and help them understand the context. Not like a verse here and a verse there, because that doesn't help, but Mm -hmm. understanding the context of what God wants for us. And why do you pray? And prayer. Well, you know, I'll tell you a failure. In my first year of being here at Northview, I had a, a Christian woman who came to me with her muck. And... I didn't pray for her at the end. I don't know why. I just remember mm. I didn't. And then at the end of the session and for the next few days just felt very convicted by God. Like that person, that woman came to church to meet with a pastor. Mm-hmm. The very least I can do is pray for them. And so I made a promise to God at that point saying that I would do everything in my power from that point on to ask people if they wanted me to pray with them, that I would pray with them, that I would pray for them in the in-between time, that I would remember them in prayer. And so often now that's over email. People will email me and say, could you pray for me? We've met before. This is a situation. So I pray with them right then on email or um, on phone. I've done that by text. I've prayed. It's incredibly important. The Holy Spirit is the one who works in us through prayer. He convicts us. He, um, God heals us. He emotionally heals us, physically heals us. Like prayer is key. What else would you add? Why would we pray with people? 
In terms of why do we pray, I think I've heard you say before, and I agree, that God's the only one that can actually solve a problem, yeah. right? Like we can be people that can give good advice to people, but God's the only one that actually has the power to change someone else's heart or to change our hearts or to give us the wisdom that we need. Yeah. It says in James 1 that we should ask him for wisdom if we need it, mm-hmm. and he'll gladly give it. Yeah. So I've tried to model that with my kids and saying to them, like when they come to me with a problem, well, let's pray about it first and then let's talk about it. Yeah. And just modeling mm-hmm. that idea that, God is the only one that can actually do anything here. So let's talk to him first and then let's talk. Yeah. And, and so you know, an attitude of honoring to yeah. like recognizing that God is in that position and that we are just the people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it gives it, that right. It yeah. actually helps me as well because it reminds me when I pray with someone that it's not about me. Yeah. And it relieves me of the burden oh. that I don't have to carry their okay. muck. Yeah. So I'm with them bringing it to God. And yeah. He is the one, like you said, yeah. that can actually do something here. So it takes the emphasis off me and helps me in that way as well. Yeah, that's good. So when we want to talk about this topic of, is the Bible a self-help book? How would you guys answer that if someone asked you? Yes, it no. is. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a debate going on here yep. and we'll do that debate on air. Um, but I think what we're saying is that in some ways it is, and in some ways it isn't, right? right. So mm-hmm. how would you say, if someone asks you, is the Bible a self-help book? How is it like a self-help book? Where, why would you say yes, Thalia? Well, we know that it gives us practical instructions for life. Yeah. And it's very easy to uh, read the Bible, study the Bible, and know in principle how to go about our life. Sometimes okay. it's clearer than others, but yeah. So before we go on too far, how, what are we meaning when we talk about self-help books? Like, what is a oh, self-help book? Oh, yeah, we book? should do that. Yeah. Okay. So, I found a dictionary definition on self-help books. It said, um, a self-help book is one that is written with the intention to instruct its readers on solving personal problems. So, if and you go know into that. a bookstore like Kohl's or yeah. Chapters and you look in the self-help category, yes. that's what will be there. So, right. what kind of books are top sellers or... So, diet they, books are the most popular. Yeah. <laughs> And um, <laughs> when I was looking at self-help books, I was reminding myself of what fits in this genre. Alcoholics Anonymous is a self-help book, and we're very familiar sure. with that. And how many people have been helped by AA? Sure. Yeah. yeah. And all those kinds of things. Um, seven Habits of Highly Effective People, yeah. those kind of books, right? right? That right. give you like how to be productive in your life. Yeah. yeah. How mm-hmm. to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. We had yeah. our kids read that a number of years ago. Things like The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Daring Greatly, Brene Brown. And we're not necessarily endorsing these. We're just trying to give you an idea of what fits in that self-help framework. Yeah. So another popular one was Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy, David Burns. The Power of Positive Thinking, Norman Vincent Peale. The Road Less Traveled, Scott Peck. Other speakers or listeners, uh, sorry, authors are Deepak Chopra and Tony Robbins is a very popular motivational speaker at this point. So that kind of gives you an idea. Mm -hmm. Erin, you do have some ideas of self-help books? Yeah, one of the categories I've certainly looked into and I speak with lots of parents is things like uh, sensory processing disorders or dysfunctions and and, um, anxiety and things like that because I've got a couple of kids that lean into those categories and so lots of trying to figure out okay what is their struggle coming from those things or not and so then that leads me to hear about other families who have kids who have like maybe autism or some other kind of disability and I work with children with disabilities from time to time throughout my life and so I'm often digging into parenting books to see how to teach those kids or or things to do with different disabilities Mm -hmm. so those for some families that's a huge relief to Mm -hmm. read how to practically address this issue because it's not in the realm of normal parenting or normal teaching of yeah. children. 
Yeah. And some people just need even the basics, the yeah. normals. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. so they haven't had any family right. background at all that teaches them how to be a parent. Yeah, right. Parenting yeah. is General. like a whole category. Yeah. yeah. What's so interesting? It was in, sorry. I was just interesting to see the numbers that you pulled up. In 2008, they said $11 billion spent yeah. on self-help hmm. books. And that's a long time ago. So yeah. we can imagine it's gone up. Yeah. So people want help mm-hmm. and they want practical advice. What's interesting, though, is that self-help books are very currently cultural relevant. Right. Re- yeah. Um, you c- it is weird to go into a bookstore and go to the self-help section. Most of us wouldn't pick up a book written in the 1960s and 70s unless we're just going to laugh at it. Right. Because or it doesn't fit now. Yeah. We want something that's written currently that our friends and family mm-hmm. are being helped by. So it's something that it, it doesn't apply across the ages. No. Not usually anyways. I can't think of any. Well, the funniest we had at a women's retreat, um, Aaron was in charge of doing <laughs> some kind of icebreaker things. And Jeff had given, uh, Pastor Jeff had given Sterling, who worked with me, this book that was called 101 Things a Bright Girl Can Do. Ooh. And it was like self-help advice from the right. 1920s or, or something. something he had unearthed from some corner and knew she'd really yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> and we used it as our kind of the platform for some of the little gimmicky talks at the at the retreat. Yeah. And there were funny to, things in there, like how to how to keep your friends entertained while you're sitting around the fire on a cold night yeah. when there's no TVs and electronics of any kind. Yeah. yeah. So um, how to tie the bustle at the back of your dress. <laughs> like as all these bright girls could do these things. Yeah. So it just showed the fact again that something that's good advice in one century or one decade may not necessarily no. be good advice in the next one. This so Yeah, it just becomes out of date or irrelevant. Yeah. And there's unrelenting optimism in these books. And so sometimes you feel like you're trying to positive energy your way through a problem, Yeah, which can sometimes be helpful and sometimes not so helpful. So I guess I would encourage you that self-help books are not all bad. Some Mm -hmm. are very helpful, but always put on your smart brain, like really use your discernment to decide, does this self-help book, I would say, align with the Bible? If it doesn't, throw it out, give it away, do something with it. But you know, be very careful what you pick up and what you listen to and what you live your life by. Yeah. And are we giving it more credit mm-hmm. than than the scripture? Yeah. Right. So how would we say the self-help book is, or sorry, the Bible is like a self-help book? Okay, say like, that again. So we just define self-help books. Yeah. So how is the Bible like a self-help book? Because it gives instructions. Yeah. Yeah. So what would be like, so sample paragraph mm-hmm. that you would read to your people, what would it look like? Your so people. one, no, seriously, <laughs> yeah. what I read a lot is from Ephesians chapter four, and I do usually a bigger chunk, but I'll read you just a little piece. So you kind of think uh, one person came to talk to me and was concerned that a Christian teacher was using a lot of swear words in trying to connect with their kids. And so this person was like, well, why is that wrong? This teacher is trying to connect with their kids. The connecting is the most important. So who cares if it's profanity? Mm -hmm. So I said, well, maybe we should go look at Ephesians. And here's Ephesians 4.29. And a little bit after that, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And then 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Continuing to chapter five, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So 
So when I read the scripture with this person, he said, oh, right. The Bible speaks to what comes out of our mouths. Yep. Further on in that same chapter, it talks about do not get drunk on wine. Right? It talks about not um, getting drunk, not getting high, because this is not what God has designed for us. The Bible speaks to things that are really applicable to our current lives. Yeah. And I think you have said often that people come in and then you read it. And they're like, oh, that's very clear. Yeah. And then they have to decide whether they're going to follow it or not. <laughs> so then but it's the not, choice, right? Yeah, it's not yeah. that it's unclear. It's no. just then we have to decide, are we going to follow? Because I think we're past the point where we can simply speak our values. Like I can't just write a Thalia self-help book and speak my values. We actually have to read scripture because it has the authority. And we have to decide, are we going to follow God's word? We're going to follow God or not? So the scripture is like a self-help book mm -hmm. in that it gives us practical instruction. Yes. Now, it doesn't always tell us how to follow right. that instruction. Yeah, no, so what, what do we go through to then when we need kind of help on how to follow it? What? Sorry, say that one again. So when we need help on how do we actually do this, mm -hmm. I think a great way to start is at our Bible studies mm, where yeah. we talk about, okay, this is the instruction. So then how do we apply that? What do we do about it? And so as a group of women or men, we'll sit around the table yeah. and say, okay, what has been a strategy that has helped you do that? Right. Like it might say something about staying away from sexual immorality. Well, if you go to a self-help book, it might actually give you those, those boundary kind of practical steps. Yeah. But here we don't have that exactly. It just says flee from yeah. sexual, all sexual immorality. Or it just, it just says don't get drunk. So what right. are some practical so things you can that? put in place? And we visit with our... With, visit with our people, yeah, our good, godly people. Yeah, and there can be some good self-help books, like the Boundaries book that you mentioned that can be helpful for these. Or I would say even better is meet with a group of wise Christian people in your community group and find out how they do. Yeah. 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 How do they flee from sexual immorality in their marriages? Like, do they drive with someone of the opposite gender? Do they go mm -hmm. for coffee regularly? What are they doing to put themselves at risk? Yeah. And you can share those ideas and get uh, help for these kinds of things. Yeah. I think the other way a Bible... The Bible is like a self-help book is that it kind of projects for you the end of what your yeah. current actions are going to do. So the, the self-help book will say, well, if you do the, all these things, you will lose 20 pounds in six weeks or whatever. Totally. It gives you that, yes. that goal and that vision. And the Bible does that, too. So if you read the book of Proverbs, it'll talk a lot about there's two paths that you can take. Mm -hmm. And this path will lead to destruction and this path will lead to godliness or to health or to well-being. Right. Yeah. And so the book of Proverbs will give you the, the guide, the path. Yeah. If you read a book like Galatians or other books that are in the New Testament that are letters, they'll say, you can do all these things, but if you do, you will not inherit the kingdom yeah. of God. And so um, it's giving you that kind of that bigger vision outside of where you're currently in to say, this is this is where you're headed. Yeah. And it gives you those warning signs or those, this will lead to blessing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that's how it is like. A because on book. this earth, in this life, we actually are allowed to do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. But if we reject God and what he says in his word over and over again, we reject it. I don't care. I don't want to listen. I don't know. I, I don't know God, no God, no God. We, when we take our last breath, we're in trouble because yeah. we're allowed on this earth. It's when we die that we have to account for did we follow God or not follow God. And if you want to know how to follow God and what that looks like, God's word. Yeah. And so we would really encourage people to read it. Yeah. Study it. The yeah. more that you're reading it and mm -hmm. studying it, the more those those specifics will become clear because it's yeah. just hard and it grows in your heart. Yeah. Your desire becomes to do more like what scripture says. Yeah. And, and if so you, you figure it out, you, we're, we're smart people. We can find ways to do that. Yeah. And if you don't like to read, 
listen. Absolutely. There are apps. There are, there's one that the middle school and high school is advertising called Street Lights. It is scripture put to spoken word. Mm. And so that grabs some music people. and stuff. Yeah. You're saying like a different yeah, mm-hmm. rhythm. and yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we would say that the Bible is our meal. It is your steak, mm-hmm. potatoes, your corn on the cob. But self-help books and devotionals and things like that are your dessert. They can be right. good. But they if you live the, on that, yeah. that's not going to be helpful for you for life. Yeah. So how is the Bible not a self-help book? If we say this is the way it is, it gives us instruction mm-hmm. and it shows us kind of the end of where different behaviors are going to lead. How is it not a self-help book? Well, I think part of it is right in the title, the self-help book. <laughs> like we're, we're not wanting to go to ourselves to solve all the problems. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And, yeah. and putting that onus on a, on a writer, as wise as they might be, and maybe they're very gifted in, in comprehending how people work and family dynamics or whatever, or they've studied a certain area and they can give you a good education on a particular topic. But that's still self, and it's not putting the honor where it needs to be, I think. So that's just sort of a positional yeah. thing. Yeah. And then there's also that it's, it's not optional. No. Like there isn't this. I mean, as you said, we can decide. We yes. have choice. But as far as if we want to be somebody who's following yeah. Scripture, following what the Lord has directed, there isn't a choice. If you or, want or, to be in heaven, there isn't a choice. Yeah. And so right. the Bible it's claims the, the Bible claims an authority yeah. that self-help books don't claim. Like Dr. Yeah. Phil won't say, you know, you have to listen to me or else. Yeah. Or Dr. Gordon Neufeld or whoever the mm-hmm. psychologist is that yeah. you like. They'll say, well, this is some good advice. But the Bible actually claims that if you don't follow, there will be eternal consequences. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. can't just ignore it or decide whether or not you want to. I mean, you can, like you said, but there will be consequences to that. Yeah. And I think what Aaron said was really good in the fact that we often look to our own heart. Culture says, well, let's look within us. What makes you happy? What is right for you? The current phrase is you do you. I'm like, oh, no, 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 (laughs) don't do you. Don't do you. Because in our natural selves, we're sinful. So we really want to be living in our renewed self as Christians following the Holy Spirit. And that means yeah. that, unfortunately, we need to die to the things we really want to do in our sinful selves, and we need to follow Christ. And part of my, my struggle with some of the self-help genre, and I'm not against all of them, certainly I've used, especially educational ones, um, is, is that people are looking for something that will feel satisfying yeah. to feel good to get through the day, to get, to get through the week, that sort of... They're going through this hard thing or they're trying to figure something out and it just, it makes sense and it yeah. feels peaceful. Yeah. And then they just kind of like meditate on that phrase or that yeah. that little passage yeah. and share it with other people. But it isn't actually satisfying your soul. No. Because it isn't God. It's a cultural buzz. Right to be reading the latest self-help book, you feel like you're in with all your friends, and you can share it on Facebook and Instagram, and you are so in. Like that, there is a cultural buzz to that, Mm -hmm. but it's not an eternal something that lasts eternally. And that's what I kind of I warned our women about as we started this book of First Corinthians. We read the passage of Second Timothy three fourteen to seventeen, and in it it says, "All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for correcting, training, rebuking." And I said, "So this is not going to be necessarily all comfortable every time. You can expect the Bible to correct your thinking, to rebuke you for your thinking. So Mm -hmm. it's not always a fun thing to read because we're going to say, "Ooh, actually we're wrong. God is right.'" We need to change something in our lives. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. I think a lot of self-help books, well, they will correct us too, mm-hmm. but it's a little, I don't know. Yeah, I think they there's try to, some correction in there for sure. But it, yeah. 
But not correcting not in terms in of us wanting to be right with God, yeah. which is the so main repent, point. That right. place of repentance and yeah. confession and saying, I'm actually totally right. wrong here. God, yeah. you need to take over and fix the situation, fix my heart, yeah. work in me. That's a whole different level, I think, that the Bible brings yeah. us to. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about a little bit about this isn't a book that was written in our decade? Yeah. And so how do we choose which parts of it are specific to us and which are specific to who the author was writing to in that book or that part of the Bible. Yeah, so we talked about the fact that self-help books kind of are obsolete after about 10 years, whereas the Bible has been around for, I mean, 2,000 years, kind of in its form that it is. And then the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures were even longer around than that. And yet it's relevant to us. So... We the, the Bible is timeless, but we also need to understand how to apply it. We can't just go to any verse in the no. Bible and say automatically, oh, I know exactly what to do with this. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible is a story. We need to understand it as a story, and we need to understand how the parts fit together and then how they apply. So it's not quite as easy to pick up the shelf and just quickly apply it. No. And so that's where we'd encourage you to be Darn. in some sort. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> The easiest, like if you look, read the book of Proverbs, it's pretty easy. Like it's pretty explicable and understandable and you can apply that pretty much right into your life. A lot of things, right? And a lot of the New Testament letters, like the passages that you read can be. Yes. But don't just run into like Judges 6 and apply it to your life or Leviticus 4. (laughs) Right? And so we just encourage you, if you're struggling with some of that, to be in some kind of a Bible study. Uh, The Bible overview course that we're starting tomorrow gives you a framework of how the whole Bible fits together as one big piece. And so then when you read individual parts, you kind of figure, oh, I understand how to apply this to my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Little plug on the side. If you listen to this podcast and it's like October or November, (laughs) it's just a a few weeks from now, it's okay. Come join a community group. Yeah. Bible study for women or men or a sermon-based discussion. It's not too late ever. Yeah. That's right. And that Bible, biblical overview course, this is not the first time that you've no, run that. we run so it every year. if you miss this one, it's a great one. Yeah, and we had some people that joined us after overarching Christmas. Overarching themes. We had some people that joined us after Christmas mm-hmm. last year, and they still got a great amount out of yeah. it. Uh, they were like, oh, man, I missed the first nine weeks. But I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's fine. So if we want the Bible to speak into our life, I think one of the main things we want to do is study it well, yeah. but also pray mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit would guide us. He's the one that opens our mind to yeah. understand truth, um, to go to a proper Bible study. Yeah. You know, yesterday at our Wednesday morning Bible study, we had about eight women around our table, and one of them was explaining a tricky situation that had come up in their community, and um, one one person was trying to explain to another person, you know, this this dangerous road that they were going down, and so our friend was explaining this story, and one of the other two of the gals were able to speak so clearly, such lovely wisdom, biblical wisdom, into that situation, and just kind of strengthened the one the first lady who told the story because she was like okay right that's a great reminder that's what we need to do yeah moving forward in this situation is fantastic and i think that that's what a community group or bible study group does so well yeah we really want to grow like biblical counselors Mm -hmm. biblical counselors are people who know their bibles well understand it in context and then can use the bible to help people in their everyday lives And so that's something I've been doing this summer. I think I've talked about that on a podcast. I'm doing an online biblical counseling course. And Erin, you're going to the first of three weekends, yeah, Yeah. biblical counseling weekend. Tell a little bit about that. Well, so we are going uh, a group. How many are going? I don't know. Quite a few. I think there's about 10 people. We're going down to Seattle to do three weekends this September, October, November, one weekend each month of a biblical counseling training. For me, this is great 
because I have a history and my degree is in um, psychology and I had totally expected to go into biblical counseling and then things derailed. Yeah. That's okay. Not derailed. <laughs> Not derailed. They just took a different things turn. Took a different thought. turn. Um, so it's kind of my wheelhouse. I'm excited to go yeah. and kind of venture back into that field a bit. And it, I'm looking forward to what that will help yeah. with some of the areas that I volunteer with here at church. And, yeah, and the idea is to grow that, like, mm-hmm. so that you guys do this at an experience, like, see how it is, and then yes. come mm-hmm. back and be able to train other people within our congregation. Right. Yeah, that's what be, I was going to say. Yeah. There's some pastor, some elder couples yes. and pastor couples. And Paul is leading going. it. Paul Siemens, our care pastor, is going because he has his master's in divinity, right? Or yeah. some kind of theology. Yeah. Um, and he wants to grow in his biblical counseling skills. Yeah. He's yeah. already good and growing. And so he was leading his group. Yeah, so the Bible is applicable to our lives, and it does speak authoritatively into it, Mm -hmm. and so we want to read it. Um, We want to read it primarily and have self-help books and other people come and come alongside us to maybe help fill in some of the gaps, but we want the Bible to be our our main diet. It'll help shape our thinking alongside, uh, kind of shape us to have biblical worldviews, like to think about the world as God thinks about the world, rather than as the culture thinks about the world. So. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. So why don't you pray to that end, Aaron, as we leave. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could have a time to discuss this and put things more clearly, um, we hope. And so we pray for the listeners who are there with us, that this would be a great way to um, see the Bible in its proper spot in their lives. And we just... All of us are hoping for your wisdom. We pray that you would continue to guide us and um, show us ways that we can be more like you. That you would shape us and correct us and um, that we can encourage one another in, in the faith. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.